welcome to another episode of the Get Back Coach, presented by Apollo Media. Jay and I are back. Week one of college football is back. Jay and I were at uh, two different destinations over the weekend. Jay, you were at one of the premier games of college football weekend. I think a, a game that was a little under the radar. Yeah. UTSA at Houston. UTSA was a one-point road favorite over the Cougars, but that is not how the game turned out. Now, this is a game I did not see, so Jay, I'm leaning on you here. <laughs> uh, how did you, How did Houston and the fighting Dana Holgersons win this one in a defensive struggle? Yeah, uh, I think Dana Holgerson was actually pissed at how this game went just because there was uh, so much defense played. But, uh, you know, Frank Harris struggled for for UTSA, which considering all that he had to go through to get back on the field this year, uh, I mean, not really that surprising. I I had talked about it with my co-host on Aggie Warpod, Mike Craven, and uh, obviously Mike covers the entire entire state of uh, Texas for college football. And, uh, I mean, Frank Harris, you know, had that knee surgery and then the infection and he wasn't able to walk in like April and May and like didn't even throw a football until July. Uh, so he didn't look great out there and you know, the rust probably plays a part in that. Uh, but the flip side is Houston's defense just stepped up. I mean, uh, you know, it's coming up with those turnovers was massive and then just limiting the big playability of UTSA. Uh, I don't think any either of us expected a defensive battle, but man, I mean, uh, hats off to Houston, right? I mean, that's a again, like UTSA isn't a, a power five team, but that's still a big win, uh, just to kind of get a victory and the belt uh, before you head into conference play. I think that one uh, kind of sets the tone for Houston uh, going forward, and then UTSA, you know, next week or this week, I guess, things don't get much easier for UTSA. Uh, and, and we'll talk about their opponent in week two coming up. It's another great game uh, in Texas State. But, uh, you know, it's the offense just wasn't able to get going. And uh, Houston, in a very, very hot TDECU stadium, was able to just limit uh, damage and, and kind of play a brand of football that Daniel Harkelson isn't exactly known for. But uh, if it works, it works. Yeah, I, I was really surprised when, when I saw this final score. Um, again, I, I had over 60, and I thought that was a very safe pick. And again, I get Vegas knows. But I think that's huge for Houston to win a football game like that. Okay? Like, they're winning that game um, in a defensive struggle. I think that's going to you know pay dividends for them later on. Um, so I was at Penn state, West Virginia, these two rivals, old rivals, uh, in, you know, you go back to the, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, this is the third most common opponent before between these two schools. And they haven't played each other in 30 years. Um, used to play for old iron side. I did not see that trophy after the game. Very disappointed. So, I think this game kind of turned out how a lot of people expected West Virginia. What's one thing West Virginia can do. They can run the football. CJ Donaldson is an amazing running back. They have an all American center in Zach Frazier. They have all their entire offensive line back from last year, who was decent. And, you know, Penn state 
their defensive line are all pass rushers. They're a little bit light in the feet. They try and use their speed. And listen, West Virginia ran the football decently well. Um, I thought Garrett Green looked good for West Virginia, missed a couple throws, but also made things happen with his legs. Uh, Penn State's, and I think this was the X factor here, Penn State's passing game was just light years better than West Virginia's secondary, which continues to be a problem for the Mountaineers. Penn State left a lot of points on the board. This game could have been a lot worse, could have looked a lot worse. But in the trenches, West Virginia kind of held their own. Um, as far as Penn State goes, they have a they have a kicker problem. They trotted out the um, Sadaichik, which is a – uh, redshirt sophomore. He missed two kicks. The first one just missed. Second one pushed it. Then they put in the kick, the transfer from Columbia Falcons, who nailed a field goal later on. Uh, Jay, do you know the controversy that surrounded this game towards the end? Did you hear about it? Uh, I think there was something to do with uh, James Franklin maybe going for something offensively yeah. late in the game that people weren't too happy with, but so I don't know. This I didn't is get what, to watch it. This is what happened. So initially, initially, I was like, I don't like this. You know, like there was no need to put that one up. All you had to do was knee the ball and it's over. However, a couple things happen here. Um, let's just talk about in Penn State's world. You have a backup quarterback driving the field, and Jay. I don't know how you feel about this because you know, you and I are defensive minded people. And if a team, do you think it's a little more salt in the wound? If a team is down towards the end zone late in the game and they knee it or they fall down before they go in the end zone. Do you think that's kind of like, or, or are you kind of like, Hey, thanks for not putting one last one up on us. Uh, well, I think about this probably in the most logical way, which is if you're got a chance to score late and you go down, uh, that's just one less chance for the other offense to get the ball and score. Uh, (laughs) it's probably the way that I'm thinking (laughs) about it, but, uh, that that's probably dumb. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily feel slighted either way, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's a game of football. Uh, you go out there, your job is to execute. Right. And man, I there are some things that irk me, but on either side of that argument, I can see mm-hmm. uh, just kind of a logical reason for why you would do it, and I, it doesn't bother me either way. So, so again, just talking about the Penn State side of it, Penn State only threw the ball once. They got the ball with three thirty left. They only threw the ball once on that whole possession. Okay. Um. Now, let's talk about it from West Virginia and what they did. And again, I, I have sat here and I have, you know, I defended Neil, Neil Brown a very good amount on this podcast. I think he's a little overhated by West Virginia fans. Um, But so what happened is he goes for two, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with going for two in that situation to cut it to a two score game. However, doing the Kansas City Chiefs ring around the rosy before coming out, I think was a little silly down, you know, with 330 to go. Yeah. Um, against again, that whole series was Penn State's, you know, 
second string guys and depth guys. You know, you got a lot of third stringers on there who don't play that much. Um, you have second string guys who are, you know, like fill-in guys that are now like in a more prominent role. So you're going against Penn State's second string defense. You march, you know, you, you go down the field, you have put a nice to drive together. You do the the ring around the rosy Chiefs, you get two points. You try the onside kick, you don't get it. Penn State then runs outside zone twice with Trey Potts. Neil Brown calls two timeouts. Penn State throws the ball, gets a first down. Um, They then run the ball again, wind the clock all the way down to four, run the ball again. Neil Brown calls another timeout. So now Neil Brown is like, now Penn State's in the red zone. Now it's, it's fourth and one. Does Penn State kick a field goal or... Do they, or do they run the football? They ran the football again, get the first down. Now they have to run another play. They have to run another play. There's six seconds differentiates between the two uh, game, game clock and play clock. They run, they go empty formation. They basically run quarterback power. And Bo Prabola, you know, runs like, carries a West Virginia defender into an end zone watching the game back. It does not look that bad just because West Virginia calls a bunch of timeouts. Uh, Penn state's winding down the play clock down to four. And the last play was a quarterback power in an empty formation where he gained five yards for a final touchdown. So again, initially I was like, eh, I don't like it, but Looking back, it's actually not that bad. Plus, you want to reward your second string D or offense that's, you know, actually put together a very nice drive against most of what West Virginia's first teamers. So I don't know. I, I don't think it was that big of a deal. I think a lot of people who bet on the game are angry. I think that's the big one because Penn yeah. State covered with it. Yeah. Uh as as one of those who had West Virginia twenty and a half, I would have uh, much prefer a knee taken there, but yeah. again, like I can't fault them. It's, mm. you know, you, you can't just expect the second stringers and the guys getting in late to just not play. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, you look at it like Oklahoma uh, kind of just uh, destroyed Arkansas state. Right. Mm. And their starting quarterback was pulled very early in the game. Yeah. You and can't. Like, they're, they're not like, they're not playing their starters. Like, yeah, but you can't just ask guys that are, you know, second and third and fourth stringers getting out there to not play. I mean, that's just not fair to them, right? Like they still see it as an opportunity to, to prove themselves. So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I, I, I get, you know, kind of being upset, but at the same time, like you got to play it, it. There, there are bigger issues to, to deal oh, with yeah. here. Yeah, there are. And I think a lot of those times, not in this situation, but. I guess a little bit, but you know, I've seen Penn state beat Idaho by like 70 points and you know, you have second and third string quarterbacks getting in. And what are you going to do in the opening of the fourth quarter? You're just going to run the ball every time. Like I'm not saying take shots, but you know, you have to get your second string quarterback, at least some sort of reps. Um, Bo Prabula showed that they look like they have a totally different offense with him in there. And he looks like, uh, and he wears number nine, which um, 
I guess just makes me automatically think of it. But Bo Pabrola, the backup quarterback for Penn State, looks like Trace McSorley. He runs like Chase McSorley. He moves like Trace McSorley. And I think when Drew Alar does go to the NFL, because by the way, Jay, I don't know if, in case you didn't hear, Bo, or sorry, uh, Drew Aller is, he, he, again, I know it's the first game and it's West Virginia's secondary, which isn't good, but oh my, he looked amazing. He made throws that, I haven't seen a Penn State quarterback make ever, literally ever. Not Christian Hackenberg. Not the, well. There were there were two throws. <laughs> there were two uh, throws he made where the receiver just like lost the hands because it was a quick out and it was rifled at like ninety miles an hour. But that was very hack esque. But. But no, he just he, he looks just like the guy. Um and he has a lot of pressure on him. But if you want to take one thing away, maybe that it worries Penn State fans, because I know Penn a lot of a good amount of Penn State Penn State fans listen. Uh gotta figure out the kicking game. Gotta kick figure out who's gonna kick. Uh and I think defensively the front seven played undisciplined. Over pursuing, I think the defensive lineman and Jay, you're you you are more the defensive lineman specialist. But I saw defensive ends pass rushing every down and creating yeah. and creating lanes. And I think, and again, I'm sure Manny Diaz will address this because if I see it, I know he sees it because he's forgot about football more than I've learned. I think it's too many guys in that front seven trying to make a big play instead of trying to make the right play or trying to make the team play. Um, so I think if that cleans up, they'll be fine because that this secondary is very good. And this secondary comes up and hits people. They are not afraid to mix it up. They The secondary does not miss a lot of tackles. So I thought Penn State looked really good. They got to clean up. But listen, Power 5 team, West Virginia showed a lot of heart. Um. I think this is this this is a big win for Penn State. And if you're a West Virginia fan, lose you can hang your hat on. Hey, this team's going to be able to run the football really well, and they're going to be able to at least play sound in the trenches on defense. So I think that's your big takeaways from this game. Yeah, uh, I mean, look, I I'm just very excited as a neutral observer about Drew LR. I just think he's a, a really talented quarterback there for Penn State and. Uh, I'm looking forward to see what he does for the rest of the season. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't feel bad about either team going forward, right? Like, there's always going to be questions. We talked about with Manny Diaz uh, and and some of the defensive line just kind of pushing up field. I think part of that, too, is Manny Diaz has a tendency to be a little bit over-aggressive at times mm-hmm. as a defensive coordinator. Uh, so that may be a concern, but we'll see how that goes. And then for West Virginia – we expected the running attack to be the strength going in. That's not a surprise. Uh, going into a place like uh, Beaver Stadium uh, is always going to be tough. Uh, so, you know, you're in there as a road dog. You know, you, you almost cover. You almost had it. But uh, there at the end, obviously, Penn State gets that last touchdown. Uh, I think there are things that, that West Virginia can pull from going forward. And, uh, you know, I mean, 
some of the teams in the Big 12 struggled this week. So there is uh It's wide open. It's wide open. Yeah. And let's talk about the Big 12 a little bit. <laughs> um this there were a lot of surprises in week one. This being one of them, especially because of of it being on the like the main stage here for Big Noon Kick. Colorado beats TCU in Fort Worth. I mean here the called the Colorado Buffaloes they have an identity and their identity is we are going to sling the ball all over the yard and we're going to basically air this thing out and you know Shadir Saunders looked incredible I I did not think he was going to look that good I didn't think Travis Hunter was going to look that good coming from um Jackson uh, Jackson State up to Power Five football. I am eating some crow. We I, both are. We both are. Like, brother. and again, it, we knew TCU was going to struggle a little bit this year. We knew they were going to come down to earth a little bit. But Colorado was supposed to be a dumpster fire. That was the word I used. That was the word other people have used. That hey, it's going to take Dion some time, and you know, you better hope everyone's all bought in. Everyone is bought into that program right now. Who's a part of that program? Everyone is bought in. Dion did a great job of that. Um, this is huge for him. Absolutely yeah. huge. Um, and we're going to talk about their their uh, matchup next week against Nebraska. But just right now, this, this is a huge statement win of, hey, we're here. And we're we're gonna make some noise this year. Do I think they're gonna win the Big Twelve? Absolutely not. But if this team makes a bowl game, which they're off to a very good start, but if this team makes a bowl game, that is one hundred percent a win in Colorado's book. Like huge win. You are vindicated if you were always on the the coach prime train. They make a bowl game it's you're vindicated of, Hey, this program's going in the right direction. Yeah. And look, I knew that the skill positions had talent going into the season, right? Like that's something that I expected, uh, where Colorado might be able to compete with folks. Uh, I am a little bit worried about Travis Hunter's snap count. I think that he, he, um, it's going to be hard to play that many going forward. Uh, somebody got mad at me for, for saying that, I guess he thought I was criticizing Dion, but, uh, I mean, it's the, the body only has so many snaps that it can take. Uh, so I, you know, I just, I want the best for Travis Hunter. He's obviously a stud, uh, and a a playmaker for Colorado on both sides of the ball, but, uh, you can only play so much, uh, the flip side too, we talk about elevation a lot, or at least I do on here. Uh, Colorado as a team that plays at elevation, I mean, with how fast mm-hmm. that offense is, is going, that is going to be a problem for, for other teams going up there. Because uh, that that offense with Sean Lewis at OC goes fast. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think they're going to gas some people out in a hurry up in, up in Boulder. Uh, they're going to give up a lot of points. Uh, that's just kind of how the offense looks right now or the defense looks right now, I will be betting the overs in a lot of Colorado games. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what can I say? It's an exciting brand of football, and I, I'm a little more uh, I'm a little more bullish on on what Colorado can do this year uh, going forward. 
No, absolutely. And and like I stated before, I feel like they have they have an identity now. And their identity isn't just we have Deion Sanders as our head coach. The the identity is we have a high powered offense and we're going to go high tempo and you better be ready because if you're not, we're going to put up 45 or more on you. And I think that's huge when a team has an identity like that. The only thing, Jay, that I'm nervous about with Dion being the head coach is, and I think we've seen this a lot in college football in the past, the, the high personality coach is great when you're winning. Mm-hmm. And it's fantastic when you're winning or if you're building something. But when when the roof's caving in a little bit, can they rebuild it? Yeah. You know, like, can they put out the fire? Can they handle adversity? I think, and I don't know what it, what it's going to be because we've never seen a, a coach as high profile as a, as an NFL star, as Dion was not just a great football player, but literally a cultural icon. Yeah. You know, like, like cultural icon. And I don't know what, when's the last time we had an NFL, like an NFL guy like that in college football, that was that high profile. Yeah. I mean, like to, to make like a comparison to another sport, uh, it would be like, like a Ronaldo type coming in and being a coach. Yeah. Uh, like, like, it, like that's the level of star that Deion Sanders was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously there's been a little bit of a, you know, a delay between his end of his playing career and then coming back mm-hmm. and being coach. But like, it's, I, I can't think of another guy that was as much of a, uh, star personality in his playing career and is now a star personality as a coach. I just like, there's, there's nobody that really comes to mind. I'm trying to no. think like across all sports. Uh, Cause like Steve Nash, but he wasn't ever that personality and he's still right. not that personality. No, uh, very good. They're very good player, but like, and I think he, he does have an MVP, but like he's Steve Nash isn't on that same especially cultural. I mean, unless yeah. we're, in, unless we're in Canada, maybe. Right. 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 But like, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. Cause usually, you know, usually the best players don't always make the best coaches. Yeah. You know, you know, even, but I think that, and that's a credit to uh, Dion. Mm-hmm. I think he's done a good job of surrounding himself with good coaches that, that may be better at, at some of the X's and O's. Cause the, the problem with those great players is they just know, right? And sometimes when you just know how things work and you have that vision on the field, it's hard to explain to guys, hey, like this is where you have to be. This is the, the X's and O side of it. This is why mm-hmm. we're doing what we do. Sean Lewis was a guy that I was very high on when he was at Kent State as the uh, head coach. And now as an offense coordinator, oh, he's – yeah, that's right. Yeah. Like, like that offense is it's extremely talented. Mm-hmm. Uh, and – you know, I, I think in the trenches and like with some of the depth, there's still some question marks. Like if somebody goes down uh, in that starters group, uh, Colorado is going to have some problems. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's just yeah. no no two ways about that just because of how thin they are. But, man, it is it is going to be an exciting team to watch. Do, do you know who Colorado kind of reminds me of a little bit? Just how they kind of play? I think their offense is significantly better than them. But, but – they're 
kind of like a Maryland a little bit where I feel like they don't have the depth, but they have a lot of very good skill guys and a lot of talent in their skill positions. And they have the ability to score a lot of points. Um, Again, I think it's going to be hard for them at towards the end of the year when they're banged up. But for right now, I mean, this is huge for college football. Huge and, for and they're Colorado. already way better than they were last year. Oh my god! Like it's not even. Yeah, I mean, what <laughs> they had one. Who did they beat last year? I think Cal. They beat Cal. So now they have a win. Power Five team, TCU, um, on the yeah, road. On the road. That is absolutely huge. Um, that's absolutely huge for them. But yeah, we we will have to see. But great trajectory right now with Colorado. Um. You know what? Let's stick. Let's stick in the Big Twelve right now. Let's stick in the Big Twelve. An upset, another upset in the Big Twelve. Not not good. And I I haven't done a check in in the the slander chat, but um, and see how <laughs> Evans doing. But Texas State beats Baylor. By the way, if you're not paying attention, T.J. Finley, the old the old Auburn. Uh, quarterback really good day for Texas state 298 yards three touchdowns uh, through the air Texas state had 28 first half points Baylor seemed like they were always playing catch up I think the big thing in this game where I'm I'm disappointed in Baylor is where's the defense where like where is it did TJ Finley just magically become better I mean I think he definitely is better but like they couldn't stop them, not through the yeah. air, not through, not on the ground. Texas State hat, te- Texas State. Listen to me, I'm hungry. Texas State just had their way with Baylor's defense. Yeah, and you know, obviously, I'm a little bit biased because I, I know some of the coaching staff there in San Marcos with GJ Kenny and company. Uh, but let's let's not discount the Texas State offense either uh, no. from a from a perspective of last year at incarnate word Kenny had one of the most prolific offenses in in college football and it's not really a surprise that he's able to maximize TJ Finley and what Finley's been able to do so far uh well I guess it's one game into the to the season but uh for Texas State uh but again yeah you know Baylor the defense was a calling card for Dave Aranda and uh obviously this is not how you want your season to start uh, this wasn't a flukish win either. No, right? Like Texas no. State looked good. They looked really good. Uh, and I think you know, obviously, we're going to find out more about this program whenever they play UTSA this week. Like I mentioned above, mm-hmm. but that offense is, I think, going to be able to give a lot of people problems uh, going forward. And you know, the Sun Belt really, I think, is. I think of it more as a defensive conference, especially with what like Troy and South Alabama and uh, those types of programs have done defensively. But you know that that offense, I mean, it is it is going to be fun to watch in uh, going forward. And you know, if TJ Finley can keep that up, Texas State could be a real problem in the Sun Belt. Yeah, and Texas State was a team last year where we thought, hey, watch out for these guys. These guys might have something. And I feel like their season last year was very lukewarm. It's disappointing. I it think, was disappointing. A lot of them. So again, I, I'm not, I'm not 
big on the breakdown of Texas State, but there's a good chance a lot of those guys yeah. were like, hey, listen, we had a disappointing year last year. We have some guys coming in. Well, we have a quarterback coming in. Let's, you know, let's – some motivation here. Plus, yeah. you have a new coach that's going to, you know, like a shot in the arm for these guys. So, Texas State Bobcats, man. And uh, the flip side of that, too, is the first two programs we've talked about pulling off upsets, uh, they had the two highest rates of turnover for their rosters uh, through the transfer portal. So that's that's kind of something to consider going forward and, and mm. what that might mean for football. But and uh, we've seen it work before. Like, again, yeah. Mel, Mel Tucker in his second year at Michigan State, they were all transfer dudes. And yeah. again, like I said before, when it's good – Transfer transfer portal rosters overhauling the roster. When it's good, it's great, man. Because yeah. you got a bunch of it. Not not like Island Misfit Toys, but like you have all these different pieces coming to get. Oh, Jay, do you know what it is? What is it's it? It's like having a bunch of different musicians with different backgrounds coming together to jam together. A little, little supergroup action. Yes, because when it because if. Is it going to be? Ooh, what's a good? Who's a good super group? I thought like maybe like like Velvet, the traveling Wilburys. Like the traveling Wilburys. I was thinking Velvet Revolver with Scott Weiland and like the guys from Guns N' Roses, or like Audio Slave, Chris Cornell, and Rage Against the Machine. So is it going to be that, or is it going to be Damn Yankees? Yeah. Ooh, so, here's here's another one for you. Okay. The Highwaymen. To go to go oh, a little country route, right? Was that Will? Was that Willie? Willie, Johnny Cash, Chris yeah. Christopherson, and, like and Waylon. Yeah. So again, is it when you have all these transfers? Is it going to be the Highwaymen, is the Traveling Lilberries, Audio Slave, or are we getting Damn Yankees? You know, like which one are we going to get? And but no, when it's good, it's it's great. So, yeah. but no, good, good for Texas state a team, a team that I just by looking at it from, you know, week one is going to be very fun to uh, keep up with through this year. Um, and like I said, especially for you, you have a, an actual rooting interest there. You have, you have people on that that are close to that Bobcat program. Yeah. And, it, and again, like we talked about it, it feels like a program that was just kind of waiting to come out. And uh, with that, I think they've kind of announced their presence a little bit. But uh, moving on, uh, we're going to go north uh, to the Big Ten. Uh, Illinois had a very, very tough scare against Toledo, 30-28. to 28. Yeah, so I watched this mostly the second half of this game, and I was very – I was disappointed in Illinois because mm-hmm. – it looked like Illinois towards the end of the game, uh, Toledo is down and they were making that last push for that touchdown with about, I think a minute and a half to go, maybe two minutes ago. Illinois was getting no push up front. Yeah. No push. So I don't know if they didn't rotate enough with that defensive line and they were gassed at the end of the game or again, um, you know, Newton and Rudolph, they are, they are run stopping defensive linemen. Yeah. They are run pl- they are run ploggers. Um cloggers, I guess, cloggers. But I don't know, I was a little disappointed by that. 
again, Toledo's offense is good. So uh, I'm, I can see that, but I, I don't know. 406 Toledo had 416 yards of offense. I know their offense is good, but Illinois has got to be better defensively. Um, they got to be better up front. That needs to be their bread and butter. Listen, you win. You'll take, you take it any way you can get it. Illinois also had 10 penalties. That doesn't help. Um, but I'm a little disappointed with the Illini, but all that matters is they, they got the W, but yeah. I, I think there are, there are things that they need to clean up this week and they better do it because Penn state's coming to town in two weeks. <laughs> Yeah, and, and look, Toledo's not a bad MAC team either. No, like that—that's that's a team that's probably going to be competing for the MAC title. Uh, but yeah, you know, as Illinois, you expect to do better against the run, especially. Uh, we'll see what happens going forward. Sticking with Group of Five, Tulane, South Alabama. This was one that I kind of had highlighted as the top all Group of Five matchup of the week. Uh, Tulane looked good. And I think uh, I think those those Mardi Gras helmets may have just been a little bit extra motivation mm-hmm. uh, for the Green Wave with uh, with with the Jags coming to New Orleans. Yeah, um, this is a statement win I think for Tulane. South Alabama was a I don't want to say dark horse, but like they were one of the teams that was looking to compete for the Sun Belt, and Tulane offensively just had their way with them. More importantly, and I think more impressively. Tulane's defense showed up five forced five turnovers against the Jags, um, you know, and they only the other thing with Tulane or with Tulane, they only I think they only passed the ball fifteen times. Yeah, I gotta double check that, but that was in my notes here. But yeah, they didn't pass the ball a whole lot. Control the line of scrimmage. Tulane's defense was impressive. And another another guy, Corey Platt Jr. for Tulane. Monster game. Absolutely great. So this is huge for Tulane. For the people who think, hey, Tulane's going to take a step back, they might a little bit, but they're still going to be a very good football team this year. Yeah, they, they still look like the team to beat in the American. Uh, and, and South Alabama can bounce back from this. This by no means is the end of their season. Uh, you know, it's a non-conference loss, but – uh, still, still a really good chance to compete in the Sun Belt. Uh, sticking with kind of a, a group of five, but we go to one of the bigger upsets of the weekend. A program that had a lot of hype going into this year, Texas Tech in the Big Twelve. Uh, they lose in double overtime at Wyoming. It's what we always talk about, Jake. Elevation, seven thousand two hundred twenty feet, baby. That's uh, it's on the sidelines everywhere at Wyoming. They let you know about it. The highest FBS, highest FCS. Highest Division One football stadium, yes, is Laramie, Wyoming, uh, Memorial Stadium, War Memorial Stadium, and it's it's man, it's it's it was special with with how excited that crowd was for that game, uh, and I think it was a, a big home field advantage. Again, I do not know that I would uh, schedule a road game there if I am a Power Five program, but hats off to Texas Tech for doing it. Keep doing it if if you're listening. Yeah, good for college football. Listen, it, it's tough to go against the Mountain West on the road for a Mountain West program because, obviously, elevation. Um, also, great crowd in Laramie. Like, it, it you felt um, you felt some energy through the TV in that one. But here's the thing with Texas Tech, and I don't want to take too much away from Wyoming. Texas Tech starts this, starts this game 17-0. They – 
were look like they're in the driver's seat. I had Texas Tech minus 14. Thought it was an easy pick. And I don't know if Wyoming made adjustments. I don't know if they settled in. But after that first quarter, it was all Wyoming. Texas Tech only had a field goal in the second half. Um, and then Wyoming, uh, they tied in the first overtime. Second overtime, Texas Tech misses the two-point conversion. Wyoming gets the two-point conversion. Um, yeah. See, I I want to say this is Wyoming is better than people are giving them credit for. I hope that's the case because, again, Texas – this was supposed to be Texas Tech coming out party this year. Yeah. This was supposed to be, hey, Joey McGuire, it, this is what well, this is – this is what we've been waiting for. We're going to contend for the Big 12. Not a great start. Not a great start. Also, I love Wyoming's yellow uniforms with the white helmets with the brown trim. Yeah. I think they're very underrated, and I think they really pop on on that field, especially in that end zone. That all Man, I, I love those end zones so much with the mountains and the mm-hmm. – it, it's just uh, – it, it's a program that gets me. I'm looking forward to seeing them take on Texas later this year. I'll be at that game when Wyoming goes to Texas. So, oh, that should be fun. That should be yeah. that should be a fun little matchup there. Um, the ESPN game of the week here, college game, they was there. But before we dive into this, okay, uh, I, I do want to like we'll we'll talk about the the game that we're going to talk about is uh, North Carolina and South Carolina. Did you see the post? game interaction between Mac Brown and Shane Beamer. So Mac Brown. All right. So the people who don't know, go online and look at it. Cause it went viral. So I saw a couple things I saw first. It starts very nicely with the pats on the shoulders and Hey, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But then Beamer does like an, okay. Like, I, I don't know if he tried to brush him off. And then Mac Brown grabs him. He goozles him. Goose, yeah, by the throat. Like, like, Which, hey. And that's an old, like, listen, that, here's the thing. That's an old man move. That's an old man of, come here and listen to what I have to say. Don't brush me off. Um, I, I also think that, like, Mac Brown just, like, wasn't necessarily trying to grab him by the throat as bad as it looked. No. Like, I think he was just trying to get old. But, oh, just, man. That's, was, that's, that is an old man. It was so man. funny to see. Oh, yeah. Like, grabs him and it's like, here, and then whispers something in his ear, uh, which the, the memes for that were great. But Mac Brown's like, someone showed Mac Brown and Mac Brown was like, yeah, you know, I was just trying to tell him something. And. You know, I like Shane. He'll, you know, he'll, he'll vouch for me, but I don't think, did we get a Beamer response? I don't think we've got one yet. Uh, I don't think they even asked let's, them. Let's see if we can find out anything. All right. See if you can find something while we, uh, while I get this breakdown started. So North Carolina beat South Carolina 31 to 17. This is concerning if you're a South Carolina fan. Listen, we, we are a Shane Beamer podcast. We've been a Shane Beamer podcast from the start. This was not a great look for Shane Beamer on Saturday. Um, not a great look. His post-game uh, interview talking about the ch- blaming, uh, blaming tempo on the chain gang was not great energy. Um, and there are major concerns here for South Carolina. Um, 
Jay, I know you're looking that up right now. If there, if Shane Beamer ever get, got we get, ever got a response from Shane Beamer, but yeah, do you I, know? I haven't found a Shane Beamer Nothing. response. So, how many rushing yards does South Carolina have on Saturday against North Carolina? How many do you want uh, to guess? I would say like twenty. Twenty. They wish they had twenty. Ooh. How many was it? They wish they had positive. Rushing Ooh. yards. Ooh. Negative two. South Carolina had negative two rushing yards. Now, what helped on those those negative yards? Uh, 16 tackles for loss and nine sacks North Carolina had. <sighs> like, North Carolina is not known to be a physical program, a physical team. They're very much um, skill. They're more a skill speed-based team. And they dominated the trenches on South Carolina. They were way more physical. Um, they controlled the entire game. And this is this is concerning for South Carolina. And we said in the beginning of the year that we weren't very high on South Carolina this year. Like we like Shane Beamer, but listen, lost they, they, a lot in the portal. They, yeah, they got holes everywhere. And even earlier in the summer, like, is this kind of a concern that they lost this many guys? But North Carolina just took it to him, especially in that yeah. second half. It just it just was not good. Shane Beamer had some loser energy after the game. Um, not good all around. Oh, Drake May also still very good at football. Yeah. <laughs> no surprise there, right? But uh, now this, uh, this North Carolina team is, uh, I think it's a contender in the ACC, if I'm being honest. I think they, you know, like Clemson and obviously – the team we're about to talk about next, uh, both big threats in the ACC, but uh, North Carolina, I think, uh, impressed. Mm. Uh, but like you said, bad looks all around between, you know, South Carolina being able to unable to run the ball, uh, Beamer kind of being a little bit out of sorts. Uh, we'll see how they bounce back from that. But uh, I, I kind of hinted at it going into our next game. Uh, yesterday's marquee matchup, Florida State LSU. Uh, Florida State took over in the second half. Oh my God. It wasn't even, this first half was beautifully chaotic. Like, okay, I'm going to be like a Bill Hader on Saturday Night Live. This first half has everything. Um, if some people might get that, some people might not anyway, but no, this first half had everything, like anything you could possibly want. Uh, yeah. Quarterbacks that are, you know, hitting, hitting the, hitting the hurdle button uh, at random times, getting lit up, you know, just physical defense, big plays. Oh, how about Coleman from Florida state? Coleman. I mean, Ken Coleman looked fantastic. Listen, everyone in the, and Jay, this is what kind of bothers the, the Northern folks is that we've been saying for, you know, all last year, we were like, yo, this dude's the real deal. This guy's the real deal. The why isn't anyone talking about him? And then as soon as he goes play plays for a team in the South, everyone's like, Oh, yo, this guy's amazing. Like, yeah, we've known this for a while. You wouldn't listen to us. Um, so Florida state in the second half took over this game. Uh, and I think to make matters worse, especially for Brian Kelly, the last five minutes, LSU looked like no moss. I, I, I don't want, it's like they, they laid down in those final, like five minutes, which I think is concerning, especially, especially if you're LSU where you have 
you're supposed to have that edge if you're LSU. You're yeah. supposed to have that fire, that no, you know, uh, no pun intended, that eye of the tiger type thing. Yeah, and it's that uh, it's that losing animal fight. I think yeah. the, the fight has always kind of been part of the LSU program, and it, it did seem damper uh, towards the end. The other, the flip side of that too is, man, I mean, this has been a, a Kelly problem uh, for a while, but uh, just a lack of halftime adjustments. Uh, I think uh, it's been an issue that he struggled with too when, when teams kind of just jump on him. But uh, the the ability or the the struggle to to make those adjustments at halftime uh, kind of bit LSU a little bit there. Uh, the flip side of this too is it's week one, so uh, maybe temper the reactions a little bit because mm-hmm. LSU can still be a very good team. They're super talented. Uh, I think me like as an A and M guy, I saw a few too many people kind of getting giddy about the prospects with LSU uh, struggling against Florida mm-hmm. State, like. It's Florida State, right? Florida State's a team that I had predicted uh, to, to be at the top of the ACC. It's it's a team that's very good. Uh, and LSU can still bounce back. Uh, so, you know, if you're an A&M fan and you're, like, super excited about what LSU looked like, uh, just, just a little reminder, right, to have a little bit of uh, wherewithal as, as mm-hmm. opposed to the situation. Because last year, LSU comes to town against A&M. And uh, A&M gets the victory. Uh, A&M still has to go to Death Valley. So just, you know, A&M, A&M did great against New Mexico. New Mexico is not Florida State. Uh, so maybe, maybe just, you know, temper temper those emotions a little bit. Some guys already got mad at me for saying that on Twitter. But uh, what can you do? <sighs> what can I, you I do? would love to see a deep dive on how many Brian Kelly teams – like how they do in the second half. Yeah. Okay. Because I, I know there, there are some coaches um, that have that are similar to Brian Kelly, who aren't, you know, haven't won a national title who've won, who've won a lot of games who maybe don't have a great record in those bigger matchups against top 10 opponents, but have always seemed to have their teams fighting towards the end, or at least making halftime adjustments to get them there. And and, and LSU was leading at the half. Yeah. Like, and that's the thing. Like I would love to see how many of how many games Brian Kelly, how many halftime leads Brian Kelly has blown. And then also how many games has Brian Kelly been down at half yeah. and then come back. Um, I'd be very interested to see a deep dive of that. So if Notre Dame fans, I, I know you guys would love to do that. Deep dive. <laughs> they love uh, their stats. Please, too. please do that for us. Also, um, I think we should just mention um, we're recording this before uh, Clemson Duke. So if you're if you're looking for a recap of that game, sorry, you're not going to get it here. Um, we'll probably be tweeting about it though. Yeah, uh, well, we will be tweeting about it, and I I do have Duke as my uh, upset special pick. Yeah. So, which I guess if we're we're saying this, we're going to be tweeting about it. Um, the game would already be over. So, yeah. wait, did you say Duke upset pick? Yeah, Duke was my upset special this week. Out, outright. Well, this is this is my thing where I do like I take one team that has, is like a plus two hundred or more underdog, mm-hmm. and and sprinkle a little money line on them. And I think okay. that with the Elko defense, like I think it makes sense. Uh, I'm and, interested. And, yeah. 
Yeah, and then, you know, it's at Duke. Uh, that being said, there will probably be more Clemson fans in the stands, but uh, it, it's an interesting one. Uh, but circling back to that Florida State-LSU matchup, the other thing, too, that I saw from LSU fans that they were livid about was uh, the usage of Harold Perkins on the defense. Uh, so Harold Perkins rushed the passer seven times and dropped into coverage 28 times. And uh, I think a lot of people for LSU – myself, I also believe this. Harold Perkins is at his best when he's rushing the passer. Uh, so to have him only rush the passer seven times and to, to be in coverage 28, uh, that is, that's a choice. So, and I don't want to make this comparison to, to tick people off because I'm not saying this guy is at that level because we've seen this guy do this in, in the NFL. But again, I'm going to put my Penn State hat on for a second. This was how old is Perkins? Is he what year is he? True sophomore. True, true soft. Jay, this is almost identical to what Penn State tried to make Micah Parsons when he was a sophomore. Yeah. Penn State tried to make Micah Parsons. They tried to make him Mike, you know, because he's the most talented dude on the field. They tried to make him a traditional linebacker. Okay. Which, okay, fine. But they found that out later on that year, and the Dallas Cowboys figured out that we don't want this dude to be a traditional linebacker. We want this guy to have one gear, one read, and just have him go. Um, this is the Chuck Daly from the Detroit Pistons when they took, you know, with Dennis Rodman. You don't put a saddle on a Mustang, and you just got to let Harold Perkins go. Let him flow. Yeah. Let him be him. And that's what my when Micah Parsons is at his best, that's how you know, that's how he plays, and that's how you set him up. And I think, you know, again, just relating to the Penn State because I do everything, that's what Penn State's trying to do with Abdul Carter right now is have him go. Just have him go. And I think that's what they have to do with Harold Perkins. Perkins just he's just gotta go. Send him, give him one read, and he's either, you know, blitz it. He's gotta blitz more. He's just gotta gotta let him go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a great, that's a great observation there with that. All right. And, and from the, uh, Florida state LSU game, we are going into the FCS minute that is going to be longer than a minute presented by pocket talk. Uh, we almost had our first FCS upset of the year, Arizona state, Southern Utah, uh, Arizona state jumped out to an early lead. They were up like 21, nothing. And then all of a sudden there's a, uh, Jake, are you familiar with the weather phenomenon known as haboobs? No, I just well, like I know they happen. I did, was I was unaware of what they were actually called. Yeah, so like huge. It's monsoon season in in Arizona, and uh, huge combined dust storm, rainstorm, uh, basically blew through Arizona, and uh, they had to delay this game for a while. Uh, they get back from the contest, and all of a sudden, Southern Utah uh, makes this a contest. Uh, Arizona State's able to pull it off 24-21, but it was very close. Uh, in my FCS game of the week last week, I had North Dakota State and Eastern Washington. Uh, North Dakota State took care of business. Uh, the, the Bison looked good again against a Big Sky team. Again, these are the Big Sky and the Missouri Valley Football Conference are usually the, the top two conferences, I would say, in FCS football. Speaking of, week two FCS game of the week, 
is a rematch of the FCS semifinals, Montana State at South Dakota State. Uh, once again, Big Sky versus Missouri Valley Football Conference. Going to be a fantastic contest. Make sure to tune in. And that is the FCS Minute presented by Pocket Doc. Montana State and South Dakota State. That if If you love college football, that is a game you have to tune into. You have to. And, and I know you're saying, well, oh, they, you know, they're – they're FCA. I know some people will tell me, well, why why should I care? Because it's great football with great fan bases, with great atmospheres in parts of the country that you don't see the bigger programs go to. You know, the, those both of those fan bases are absolutely nuts for their programs. Yes. Uh, trust me, this is going to be a fun one to watch. It's going to be absolutely amazing. Yeah. That's on Saturday. It is on Saturday. Saturday, do you know? Can you get? Can you get a time? Uh, let me pull it up real quick. I think we deserve this because yeah, we definitely, we definitely deserve this. I mean, Montana State, South Dakota State, Montana State. Those are two. Like Montana and South Dakota are two states that don't get talked about enough for their fan bases and for how you know college football kind of runs some of those small towns and because they are kind of outposts. You know, they're yeah. in the upper north. They're in the upper northwest. We got time? Yeah. So uh, Saturday uh, the 9th, and it is at 6 p.m. Oh, perfect. Absolutely perfect. Those 3.30 games will be winding down. You get to watch a little Montana State, Dakota, South Dakota uh, State. Will, if I had to guess, it would probably be on ESPN+. Plus. Yeah, it will be. So Well, hang on. 6 o'clock. Wait, hang on. 6 o'clock what time? Central? Uh, that would be central. So okay. it'd be seven so o'clock se- Eastern. So seven o'clock Eastern. Okay. Prime time, baby. Prime time. Definitely tune in for that. All right. Uh, week two. Let's take a look at week two. Friday night, Illinois at Kansas. Kansas is a three point favorite. Jay, styles make fights, right? And this is offense versus defense, baby. Although, although if Toledo did this to, if Toledo put up 28 points against Illinois, I don't know if I love the Illini's chances in this one. Um, listen, I'll be pulling for the Illini. I'll be pulling for Burt. Nothing against Kansas. I know Kansas is the darlings and, you know, we love Lance Leipold. However, uh, the Illini have to clean it up on defense and, I am staying away betting wise in this game, but if I would have to, I would really lean on Kansas. Yeah, I am probably going to end up back in Kansas minus three as well. Uh, this is a program that's just really excited about what they have going forward. Uh, I think there's a little bit of momentum in Lawrence for the first time in a while, and I mean Illinois had a decent year last year, but again, I that Toledo performance scares me. Uh, so I. I I'm probably going to lean Kansas in this one. Yeah. One of the bigger matchups this week, we talked about Colorado. Oh, wait, did we not talk about? We didn't even talk about Nebraska and Minnesota, did we? No, we didn't. So Uh, maybe a little bit here. Uh, Yeah, Nebraska. Scott Frost Day. Yeah. Oh, man. It's like Groundhog's Day for these Cornhusker fans. Um, They had it. They had in the bag. All they knew was a first down fumble. Uh, Minnesota, uh, amazing, amazing catch by the Rye receiver that I can't think of off the top of my head right now. It, like probably catch of the week. And then they, instead of trying to go down and kick a field goal, they throw an interception. Um, I will say this, Matt Rule, Nebraska looks more organized. 
I'll give them that. Their defense looks a lot better. I'm interested to see how Nebraska's defense and Colorado's offense are going to clash against each other. Jay, Nebraska money line. I like Nebraska plus five and I like a little I like a little sprinkle action. Everyone's counting out Nebraska. They looked at him last week. They said, oh, the same old Nebraska. Everyone's high on Colorado right now. I know the game is at Colorado. Give me Cornhuskers. They're all gonna they're also gonna travel very, very well. Yeah. Cornhuskers money line. Take it to the bank. Yeah, and this is an old school like big eight and then big 12 rivalry like these two teams these two programs don't like each other so there's going to be some added heat and hate. fireworks there they hate each yeah other. there's a lot of hate and i don't think people realize it just because these programs have kind of struggled uh since the the mid-2000s but uh uh first of all shout out to nebraska volleyball for setting the record Yo, for the yeah. for the largest uh women's sports attendance Right, mm-hmm. ninety-two thousand packed Memorial Stadium in in Lincoln mm-hmm. to watch volleyball, and I I just think that's awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't look. I don't really like Nebraska as a fan base, uh, but they support their programs, and it was really cool to see the volleyball get that support uh, and have a world record. I, you know what game that this Nebraska volleyball match beat to set that record? It's a Champions League, a women's Champions League match between Real Madrid and Barcelona. Like that is that's that's how, more that's attendance than that. Like that's I mean, hats off to Nebraska for doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I'm thinking Colorado. Uh, it's elevation, baby, elevation. They're playing at Colorado. I think that uh, this Colorado offense is kind of going to gas out the Cornhuskers at some point and uh, get the victory. Okay, uh, we. Another two teams that we talked about earlier today, Texas State at UTSA. Um, this line stinks out loud. Stinks. Stinks out loud. <laughs> UTSA uh, ha- not having a great showing against Houston. Um, you know, losing 17-14. And then Texas State beating Baylor. Like, handling Baylor, too. Handling. Like, like not no fluke. Like, Texas State looked better than Baylor. And you're telling me UTSA is favored by 11, by over <laughs> 10. It stinks. Vegas knows. Meep, meep. Roadrunners. Minus 11. Man, look, uh, I think this line is going to drop as, as we get closer to the game just because uh, I think a lot of people are going to look at Texas State and realize, like, some people probably don't even realize that Texas State pulled off the upset yet. Like they're going to have to go back and wait a second. Texas State won game one, uh, but look, there's a lot of familiarity between both these coaching staffs. Uh, GJ Kenny's senior year, he played for Jeff Trailer at Gilmer uh, in East Texas. Oh wow! Uh, so there's a there's a lot that uh, that goes on in this match, this matchup. I think it'll be a close game. These two schools. This is another rivalry, right? San Marcos, San Antonio. It's separated by like an hour. Uh, if that, I mean, it depends on 1604 traffic, which if you've ever spent time in San Antonio, you know, that can be a, a little bit of a shit show. Uh, but I mean, this is going to be a fun matchup. I like Texas state to cover, uh, again, I have a little bit of bias here, but I think this is going to be a really, really competitive group of five matchup. Uh, and it may be the best game in the actual state of Texas overall, especially with, uh, Texas and, and A&M both on the road against power five opponents. Okay. Uh, 
Ole Miss at Tulane. Ole Miss is a four-point favorite. I'm staying away from this. I would love to sit here and be like, I am rolling with the green wave because of that offensive attack and how good they looked yesterday against um, uh, South Alabama. But, you know, Ole Miss, their power five, Jackson Dart looks good. So, I don't know. I'm not fully on board. I'm not fully trusting that Tulane defense quite yet. Um, But I'm interested to see it. I'll be rooting for Tulane. But I'm staying as far as as far as betting goes. I'm staying away from this. But I I'm rooting for that Green Wave. Yeah, this is a this is definitely a game to stay away from. Uh, hats off to Ole Miss for going to play at Tulane. I do yeah. love that. Anytime mm-hmm. a Power Five school like I know we talk about how scheduling Wyoming is probably not the brightest thing, but anytime a Power Five school schedules a road game at a Group of Five program, I'm I'm a supporter of that. I think that's a uh, it's good for the game of football, and I, I, w- I would love to see more of it. Uh, but yeah, f- from a betting standpoint, I'm staying away from this game just because I think uh, it, it could end up being a little bit of a a little bit of a weird matchup. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. But I I mean Tulane that stadium got a little rocking yeah. before, so I, I'd love to see it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna it's gonna they're gonna sell. They'll it be down. fired up for this one, and mm-hmm. uh, don't forget that Troy gave Ole Miss a uh, a tough game last year, mm-hmm. so. Uh, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility. Tul- Listen, Tulane fans, they ain't going to Baton Rouge anymore to watch the Tigers. They're staying at home to watch the Green Wave. <laughs> All right. Um, Iowa at Iowa State, Cyhawk Trophy. Iowa's a three-point favorite over at Iowa State. I love the Hawkeyes here, minus three. Love the Hawkeyes minus three. They're still ticked off about that game last year. Iowa State lost some. I think Iowa is improved in every facet. I know they didn't look that stellar against Utah State, but I think that was, I don't want to say the offense state vanilla because I think their offense is decently vanilla already. Um, (laughs) However, I love Iowa minus three at Iowa State. I think I think this can be an absolute beatdown. <laughs> yeah, the Iowa offense is is vanilla by default. Uh, I think we might get a little bit of cinnamon thrown in there just for some extra flavoring in the vanilla ice cream here. Uh, but the Iowa offense undoubtedly better uh, with a new quarterback in in McNamara. Uh, I mean, it, it's you know this game tends to be like a, a really tough defensive battle. Uh, I really think Iowa's going to pull away in this one. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Iowa minus three is is uh, is a pretty solid bet in this one. You know, uh, this is a fun matchup. I love this game. I, I just, you know, it's it's jokingly referred to as El Asico on the internet just because of the uh, the the fact that it's a defensive battle, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and for those who don't know what El Clasico is, we mentioned Real Madrid and, and Barcelona earlier, but that's El Clasico. You can see where El Asico might come from <laughs> in, in, a, in a battle between two Iowa schools. But I, I really do love this game. It's it's a lot of fun to watch. And uh, I think this iteration, Iowa State hasn't been talked about, about this year at all. No. Uh, really going into the season. Uh, I think they could, could surprise some folks. I don't think Iowa's going to be one that gets surprised. No. Um, actually, the line did go up to four. So this this line is climbing. When you hear this, 
I would start putting money on Iowa right now. I'm not an expert though. I, I think I have. I think we have to say that now. I'm not an expert. Okay, so you can. Our, our gambling advice does not constitute financial advice. Yes, exactly. Uh, so please, yeah. So anyway, I I love Iowa minus four. Also, uh, Jay, do you want to guess what the over under is? Forty eight. Forty eight. I think it's going to be a barn burner. Wait. Uh, so it's it's thirty five. Thirty six and 36. a half and a half. Okay. Thirty six and a half. That's low. They're begging you to take the under. I think the over is going to take. I think the over is going to hit. This might be Iowa's like, hey, we can real we we can run an offense. Yeah. Day. Um by the way, did you see our friends at Sicko's committee the uh the graphic of Brian Ferentz? No, I did not. Oh, it's so good. It's in a touching tribute to Bob Barker. They have Brian Ferentz um, on the mountain game for the Price is Right. Do you know what? It's, have you? Yeah, did I know you watch it? That yodel lodi yodel yeah. lodi. So it's Brian Ferentz going to the top of the mountain to average uh, twenty four points a game, and like where he is. So like yesterday, like the yodel lodi, like they had the music going. I don't know. It was really good. Fantastic. Uh, oh yeah. So check out. Yeah, check out our friends at Sicko's Committee. Uh, they always put out good stuff, but that that one especially was really good. Um, I feel like we have to talk about this game just because you know we we have Texas listeners. SMU at Oklahoma, Oklahoma is ACC. A, yeah, eighteen point <laughs> wow. favorite. Nothing says a nothing says the Atlantic Coast Conference like the Dallas Fort Worth area. Um, <laughs> so Oklahoma, we didn't even talk about that. Um, I get that's what we'll end with that today. So Oklahoma is an 18 point favorite. I have no idea. I'm taking the over. Yes. I think the over is a good, yeah, I think the over is a good idea. What, what I haven't even it? looked at the over yet, but I'm taking What it. is it? We got to find out what the over actually is <laughs> because again, you Oklahoma, Oklahoma minus 18. That's a lot. That's a that's a lot of points. Um it is 70 and a half. 70 and a half and the line has gone down. The line have, is yeah, now at, at the o- line o- is o- now 16 at 15. Ooh. The line's at 15 now. What? Oof. I don't know. 70 and a half though. If you're going to bet on this game, I'd probably bet on 70 and a half. Yeah, look, uh, OU scored 73 last week against Arkansas State. Uh, SMU probably could have scored more against Louisiana Tech, but they kind of took the the foot off the gas a little bit in the second half of that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the over. I like the over a lot. Yeah, I yeah, I love I love the over. Um, next game, let's go Wisconsin at Wazoo. Wisconsin at Wazoo. Wisconsin is a three-point favorite as of right now. This is another game where, oh, actually, hang on. Hold up. Wait a minute. Giant jump. Giant jump from yesterday. Wisconsin is a six-and-a-half-point favorite now. And I I think I like Badgers here. Look, people told me I was a madman. 
for taking Wisconsin over uh, in their game against Buffalo. Uh, this is a different style of Wisconsin offense. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm taking the Badgers here against uh, against Washington State, but uh, I may be a little bit interested to see what the uh, the over under is on this one too. It's it's fifty four and a half. I think again we could get there. We could get there. Hey, go. Let's. Can we go back to Ole Miss Tulane for a second? Because I just saw their over under. They're over under sixty two and a half. Hmm. Oh, I don't know. I like. Uh, I might. Just end I up might taking a whole bunch of overs. I this know. Week. I might have to. I might have to wait. I. Th- I, I need to close this app and wait a day. I have to wait. <laughs> I have to wait a day and I have to see what it looks like the next day. Yeah, we got to we got to wait until the last uh last game of this week ends until we can get into next week, right? Yes, exactly. And the game we're going to end with today on our preview, Texas A&M, 3-point favorite at Miami. Jay, before you talk about this, I just want to let you know I love Texas A&M in that game. I know it's in Miami. I know it's in Miami. And I know you're going to say, hey, everybody, we only play New Mexico. We got to pump the brakes. I love the Aggies. I love Texas A&M in this game. Gig them. Gig them. I'm taking the Texas A&M fighting Ags. Yeah, so look, I mean, A&M's going to be fine with with the weather in Miami, right? Like, it's going to be a hot, sweaty environment, but – that's nothing that that you're not used to in College Station, uh, and Miami, like Hard Rock Stadium, is not going to be the toughest place to play. No, this this isn't a, a a Beaver Stadium or a Kyle Field or a Death Valley. Uh, it'll be a tough game, but man, I so when I uh, I've already watched film on both teams quite a bit uh, yesterday and today. Uh, obviously with my other podcast, Aggie war pod, that is Texas A&M focused. Uh, there's a lot of, I have to spend a lot of time. So I have looked at this matchup quite a bit. Uh, man, Tyler Van Dyke just struggles with downfield throws. Uh, you know, he's great in the short game for Miami and, you know, they've got some guys like Colby young. That is a receiver. I'm really impressed with. A lot of speed, a lot of size, but they're not maximizing down the field. Uh, and I think in the quarterback matchup, AM's offense already looks worlds better with Bobby Petrino calling the plays. Uh, I hate I hate that I'm hyping up my team right now because I, I like it a lot better when I can just kind of, eh, we'll see how it goes. But I am impressed with what AM did in week one, even though it was New Mexico. Uh, Connor Wegman looked fantastic. And, you know, when he closes the season out the way he did against LSU and then goes right in and AM's already pushing the ball downfield more than they did under uh, when, when Jimbo was calling the plays under Petrino, uh, I'm excited. I mean, Noah Thomas, a dude that I was been stoked about all offseason, has three touchdowns. Uh, Evan Stewart is a guy that's been talked about uh, by a lot of national outlets. He has two touchdowns. The weapons that AM has offensively, uh, Miami has a lot of talent. I just don't know that you're going to be able to keep up with. If A and M can can slow down the rushing attack with uh, Parrish and Fletcher and and those guys, uh, I think A and M can can really pull away. So I I, I do like the Aggies. Uh, you have it at minus three. It's uh, four. I yeah. have it at minus four. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's going to be. I mean, I'm I'm 
feeling confident right now as we get closer to the game. I'm just going to like, I'm going to get so nervous about this just because I think this contest is going to be a tough one. I'm, go- I'm glad I'm going to be dove hunting on Saturday to, to deal with like some of the nerves. Excuse me, doves? Yeah, doves. It's, uh, I know you're up north. The bird, like birds? Yeah. Doves? Yeah, birds. You, bur- you, it's it's legal to kill doves. It's yeah. to shoot doves, really. Dove, it's dove season in Texas and uh, a lot of the South. I feel like that's like I feel like they're the symbol of peace. I feel like that yeah, but should... they they taste great. So uh, okay. you know you you chop off the breast, put it on a, like a little bit of a uh, like a jalapeno, mm-hmm. wrap it up with bacon, make little dove poppers. Fantastic. So we hunt grouse up here. It's so, it's, so like. Yeah. I feel like with grouse, it's a lot of like flushing mm-hmm. them with dove. Like you're catching them flying in and out. So it's, okay. uh, it's pretty tough, honestly. Like some of those shots, cause they're, they're moving. They're not slow birds and, no, uh, no. they'll, they'll kind of dip and dive, but it's, it's a lot of fun. So yeah. Dove season versus grouse season, I guess. Yeah. Dove, dove season, grouse season, dove season. Okay. Um, <laughs> we're going to end with the any coast conference. Now the ACC acquires Cal Stanford and SMU who, who comes out of this. Oh, a giant winner. Um, listen, I'm happy for the teams involved. I do know for the track sports, and for the non-revenue sports, I know they're going to use Dallas-Fort Worth as a hub. They're going to use SMU as a hub. So if any of the East Coast teams have to travel to the West Coast, they're all going to meet in Dallas for that, which I guess is fine. I don't think that helps recruiting. Um, I'm going to guess that out of conference, they're going to all do all regional opponents to try and help that recruiting market. Um, but... Okay, fine. Yeah. Ugh. It's very, very reactionary by the ACC to add these teams. Uh, also, I will say, uh, y'all at SMU, uh, who basically invented uh, the bag man, buy themselves out of, uh, you know, of, of power five football back in the day, like when they were in the Southwest mm-hmm. Conference, just like uh, they have a lot of money. Like they did, they do not care. And now that they can just openly spend money and are going to be in a power five conference, look out. That's, that's all I'm going to say about that. I have a feeling in 20 years, like SMU will have like a 50 seat stadium. Like, I feel like their stadium's going to expand and I feel like it's going to look more like a power five football program. Yeah, and and they've already expanded the uh, the stadium a little bit. Uh, that that south end zone that was kind of open had a little hill that actually has seats now, mm-hmm. uh, but not not a ton of room to grow just because of where they are in the in Dallas. But yeah, it's a uh, there's going to be a lot of money. Like the fact that they agreed to no TV revenue at all, like that lets you know. How much money they're about to spend? <laughs> spend a lot of money. Lots yeah, so they're of gonna money. they're gonna spend a lot of money on that, and they're gonna spend a lot of money on uh, NIL. Oh yeah. Um, lastly, Big Twelve. I have a message for the Big Twelve. Uh oh. It's it needs to be Big 12's mission to reach out 
and rescue Oregon State and Washington State. You have two spots open to match up with everybody else. Get them. Save them. Please. They don't deserve this. Oregon State and Washington State do not deserve to get left out in the cold. Big 12, go. Listen, you are already the fun conference. You can be even more fun picking up Wazoo and Oregon State. They're outposts. They fit in. Go get them. It'll make the conference even better. Just go get them. Plus with Gonzaga on the basketball side of things. I mean, it kind of makes sense to have like a, another bit of bit of uh, mm-hmm. travel up there. Mm-hmm. And here's the other thing. Football conference, you have all these teams that are in the Northwest that are going to the Big 12 anyway. Colorado's going back. Utah, BYU. You have a natural division right there. Yep. Get Wazoo. Get Oregon State. Save them. They don't, don't deserve it. No offense to our Mountain Best people, but they shouldn't be relegated to to the mountain west yeah. they shouldn't get it go get them big 12 and know. honestly if if they are in the mountain west i would be okay with just going ahead and making that a, a power five conference yeah i don't care Pow- sure <laughs> yeah, i don't know if, uh, yeah. if, if oregon state and, and washington state end up in the mountain west make that a power five conference that's that's what i'm going to say just to spite just the, to the spite everyone else left for the big 10 yeah yeah just to spite them. I mean, hey, it's. I mean, imagine, it, the, imagine the Apple Cup Rose Bowl matchup. Oh, beautiful. Do you know how new- many people like? And that's <laughs> the other thing. Oregon State and Wazoo, if they ever play, they're like people used to root for them before because they were the underdogs in their rivalries. But now, more so than ever. Now, more so yeah. than ever, that when those teams play an old big or a Pac-12 team, people will be 100% behind them with no rooting interest involved. But it's the any any coast, the any coast conference now, not the Atlantic yeah. coast. The They have to change the name, right? Yeah, they have to. Atlantic. Uh, by the way, Oregon State looked pretty good against San Jose State compared to uh, they did. what USC did. Gave up a few less points, didn't they? Yep. Uh, Oregon State is... They're a lot more physical than USC is defensively. Uh, USC, Oregon State, Utah is a fun matchup. Yes, it is. Physically wise. Yes, physically wise. Um, Oregon State's defense is better. They're better in the trenches. Uh, Better offensive line, I want to say, too. Um, They gave DJU quite a bit of time on Saturday. There was a a clip where they were like, oh, DJU wasn't the – Sorry, that was yesterday. Yeah, DJU wasn't the problem, and – at Clemson, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I understand that, but also he has like eight eight seconds to throw. Yeah. Um, so he also has a, a very good offensive line. But now it's Oregon State looks really good. They're, they're a fun team to watch. Listen, uh, the, la- the past year we've had we've had it, we've caught it. Do you know what we, you know what we've caught, right? Beaver fever. Yeah, beaver fever, baby. All right, uh, Jay, anything to leave us on? Man, just just be thankful that college football is back, folks. It's so nice, isn't it? It's great. It's great. Listen, Penn State's got Delaware at noon. I'm going to be back at my apartment at about 4 o'clock. It's going to be a great day to just sit on the couch and watch the rest of those college football matchups. Going to be so excited for it. So 
Um, but college football is back in full swing, guys. Games from Friday on. From all of us at the Get Back Coach, have a great week.